on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm your host, Ulysses E. Campbell. Before we get to today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. It was confirmed this week that Michael Waldron will be writing the screenplay for Kevin Feige's upcoming Star Wars movie project. Waldron is the executive producer and writer for the Disney Plus series Loki, as well as the writer for the Marvel Studios feature Doctor Strange Into the Multiverse of Madness. If it comes as news to you that Feige is developing a Star Wars movie, don't worry. It was back in September 2019 when that project was first announced, and information since has been minimal. Nor was there any mention of this project during the recent Disney Investor Day program. More news on this as it trickles out. Last Saturday was National Science Fiction Day. The event falls annually on January 2nd, which is also the birthday of famed science fiction author Isaac Asimov. Hopefully, you celebrated by reading your favorite sci-fi writer or watching your preferred science fiction movie or television show. But even if you didn't, it's never a bad time to enjoy sci-fi literature or other media. Indulge yourself today. Walter Hamada has signed a multi-year deal to remain in charge of Warner Brothers' DC Films division. Hamada originally joined the label, which is responsible for bringing the iconic DC Comics characters to movies and streaming back in 2018. And last month, he announced an ambitious number of movie and streaming projects based on such characters as Superman, Batman, The Flash, Static Shock, and Batgirl. Warner Brothers Picture Group chairman Toby Emmerich said, with Walter overseeing our DC movies for theatrical exhibition and on HBO Max, we are excited for him and his team to bring more of these stories to life, working with new and established talent to broaden the reach and diversity of the DC Cinematic Universe. Check out the latest trailer for the Disney Plus series WandaVision on one of the Fantastic Forum social media pages. It's the first of the new television offerings from Marvel Studios to drop. WandaVision will be available for viewing on January 15th. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. An anniversary this week is January 3rd marked 28 years since the debut of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The television series was created by Rick Berman and Michael Piller and ran seven seasons. It was the second spin-off from the original Star Trek series and the first to feature an African-American commanding officer. It was also the first Trek show which was not based on a starship. Today we're talking about Wonder Woman 1984. Beware if you've yet to see the movie as there will be spoilers mentioned. And now I'll introduce you to today's panel. Joining me are Shireen Nicole, 
Roberto Ortiz and Drew Bittner. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hey. Hey. Okay. So um, before we actually get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, I did want to make mention of one of the news items. I saw that Walter Hamada had uh, re-upped his deal as DC Films president. I got to confess, I mean, I, I, I have recently heard of Walter Hamada, but I didn't even know who in the heck Walter Hamada was. You know, it's like, do we like, is this good? Is this bad? What's what's the deal with Walter Hamada, Shereen? As I remember it, he came in around the time that Zack Snyder had to take his leave of absence. You know, they were restructuring uh, the big kerfuffle with Kevin Sujihara at the head of the, the entire studio happened and all that was going on. So a lot of people may have missed that Walter Hamada from New Line, I believe, was coming in to run the comic book movies section of Warner Brothers, otherwise known as the DCEU. So that's that's kind of the timing that he came in. And their hope was to kind of go away from the gritty uh that had kind of overtaken the movies, starting with uh, Christopher Nolan's very good movies that ain't got no Batman in them. And um, that's right, I said ain't got no Batman in them. And then it kind of took over from there being handed down to Zack Snyder. So the hope was that he would go away from that. Um, is it good or bad? I, I think that, that what I would really like to do with the DCEU is take the lid off of it, shake everybody out, like outside. Mm. Bring it yeah. back in the house and put new put new people in it. I I'm not crazy about Zack Snyder's take. I'm not crazy about what Walter Hamada has done. Um, that Joker comes under him. Some of these problematic things with Wonder Woman '84 come in under him. So I'm not a fan of either take. Uh, I think they're devaluing and degrading their heroes um, on like so many ways. So um, that's my take. My take specifically is that Chering has a point, but they're making it like the choice is either Hamada or Snyder. And, and that's not true. But that's not true, I know. But Snyder is presenting it that way. And uh -huh. Snyder basically is hell-bent specifically on continuing what he's doing. And as I was mentioning uh, before, uh, Zack Snyder just released today an image of what his intention of the original image that was going to be shown in uh, in, the, in the Batman versus Superman movie of Wonder Woman, the photograph, and to say that is disturbing, it's it's being gentle. It's his vision of Wonder Woman was more closer to Cena than Wonder Woman, because they show this Warrior Woman basically surrounded by soldiers, which is fine so far, but she's carrying the heads of people she has killed in battle yeah the the severed heads yeah of people that she had killed in battle yeah say what you may about That's... patty jenkins um say what you say about the problematic version of wonder woman i get it but at least you don't feel like she has completely destroyed the soul of what the character is uh, she hasn't mm -hmm. the the i i i you want to see my take on it on who she has done terrible damage to to the point that I, they cannot use the character again. Super I didn't even I didn't even know that they had photography during the Crimean War. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's I, I thought that it was. I mean, can some because I I thought it was basically during the Civil War that they developed. When was the Crimean War? 
Where I, in the heck was the Crimean War? <laughs> no idea. But, in Crimea. Uh, <laughs> but um, so the Crimean War took place from 1853 to 1856. End of 1853 yeah, to 1856. Uh, yes, so, so yeah. Oh, so, okay. The camera obscura, which I believe was the first camera. I could be wrong. Um, let's see when that happened. That was, it doesn't really say. Well, considering that we so, have pictures of the Civil War. Which well, is... yeah, which was later. But see, the, and that's the thing. What I heard in this uh, release of information with this new image that they produced is, well, the, see, I mean produced in terms of just pulled out of the cabinet to show us, was that the Crimean War was the first conflict where um, they took pictures or photographs or ten types or whatever and it was. And that's why Snyder had wanted daguerreotypes. Thank you. And that's yeah, why Snyder Sorry. wanted to use that particular conflict as where Wonder Woman had been. I also understand there was some discussion of her having been involved in the Civil War and, you know, before they ultimately saw settled on World War One without the severed heads. Okay. 1840s and 1850s was the dawn of the daguerreotype. So there you okay. go. Okay. There you go. Right. So they wanted to make basically the story of Wolverine with her. Well, you know, nothing. Carry on. Hmm? No, you know, I actually I'm the uh, that's that's probably enough, you know. I mean, I don't know that I don't know that Walter Hamada needs to be doing this. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh jeez, because I, obviously, gritty works a little better for Batman. Yeah. Had there actually been Batman in any of those Chris Nolan movies, there was not. <laughs> and I, I echo my friend Shireen in that. Really? <laughs> and we've had that. Yeah, oh, exactly. Especially the first one. <laughs> the first one is the best one of all three of them. Yeah, the um, Jumping Jack Batmobile or whatever that was. Jumping Jack Hummer Batmobile. Uh, anyway, carry on. I, you I know, yeah. No, no. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, but but the, the point is, Gritty works better for Batman than Batman. it does for any of these other characters. And this so, is the truth. It, yeah, it when does. they announce. Yeah. The, the problem is that Nolan and Snyder really only had one trick up their sleeves. And that was, you know, yeah. basically, you know, that, that they had batmanized the entire dcu and that's and that really really stinks i mean you get you get this grim and gritty superman grim and gritty bat you know batman of course grim and gritty aquaman although thankfully they broke away from that a little bit and mm-hmm. and they broke away from it a little bit in in wonder woman shazam the only mistake they made with shazam was putting demons in it it could have been a great family movie if they hadn't done the demon versions of the seven deadly sins rather than personifications of sin i think that was their big mess up there but i really liked shazam i, I that was a fun movie I think, that, I think that the demons the the ugly cgi monsters was mm-hmm. was a bad step i also i also frankly think that um the story they based on jeff john's Shazam's mm-hmm. story, his, his reboot, was not really a very good story. Um, I think that they, they should have used Savannah, but he should have been a high-tech, you know, super, like super villain. You know, more mm-hmm. like like the classic Savannah, um, mm-hmm. rather than, oh, it's wizard Savannah, and, which was never, ever, ever who that guy was. So, anyway. Drew, there was something that. that you said about Jeff Johns, 
and it cracked yeah. me up because it was. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I have the ultimate immense respect for Jeff Johns, but we, <laughs> it was something along the lines of that he's very inconsistent as a creator. He's, he's uneven. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Fair. that's fair. He's, he's very uneven when he's when he's on his game. He's really good, but there are characters it seems he clearly does not get, and I think that the the characters he doesn't get frankly are the ones that he's not able to reinvent mm. and i mean the, the 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 ones the ones that are kind of blank slates um or don't have a really strong identity in in terms of like public perception like aquaman i think was a character who's able to put a stamp on really um star, star girl who he created mm -hmm. yeah. you know um and a lot of the a lot of the JSA and a lot of those characters were not really known in in is except to like long term comic book readers. He was able to reinvent them and give them personalities that he wanted them to have. But the fact is that when he's writing a character like Wonder Woman or Batman who are established, he's really just not very good at it. You know, Drew, I do have to say one thing. I was particularly fond of issue one of Rebirth. Um, okay. But and and now I'm done. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's interesting that you say. I mean, because talking about the, I mean, and this is as good a place as any to sort of segue into Wonder Woman, because talking about the Chris Nolan Batman films, talking about the Zack Snyder Superman, the Batman versus Superman, Aquaman, Shazam, uh, the first Wonder Woman, in terms of how well or how poorly these adaptations were done and now wonder woman 84 and so uh, just starting to scratch the surface of it i want to ask each of you how did patty jenkins do with this sequel to the 2017 blockbuster um one thing i've recognized about the way that i look at things is that i will often be very upbeat on them immediately after i see them but then reality sets in, and I think about what I've seen, and things are like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> so, so in this in this case, that kind of that kind of set it, some things kind of sank in for me. Um, I I liked the look of the movie a great deal. I loved the opening. I think the opening bits were great. Um, to to get really down and, and dirty in the specifics of it, if if you want to. Um, I thought that the opening message with young Diana was a terrible, terrible mistake. Um, I, I didn't like the idea that she tried to find an alternate way to get back in the race and she was punished for it. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, a warrior is supposed to win and she was finding a way to win and they were punishing her for that. Um, I liked Diana's opening scene at the mall. Um, the fact that I live around the corner from there is not in any way shape or form connected to that but i liked it um i liked her interactions with chris pine although there's problematic stuff there too i i think the biggest problem for me overall was um wonder woman was not allowed to be the hero of the story enough for me and i thought that was a problem so um then we'll want to jump in or should i keep going well roberto how'd they do funny because i like the movie um uh, and for my own reasons uh, and i'll explain in a minute i agree in in terms of the the there's certain things of the story that are problematic specifically the relationship with diana steve trevor uh, there's some inkiness there having said that 
And I feel also that the structure of this movie is the opposite of Wonder Woman, where Wonder Woman, the original, uh, had a very two strong first acts, the first and the second act, and the third act was kind of wobbly. This one was the opposite. It had a, the third act is basically running on all cylinders, and there's some structure problems within the first and the second act. Having said that, uh, I love, with a passion of a thousand sons, what they did with Maxwell Lord. I love the idea, specifically that they show for the first time a, a, a Latino bad guy, which what he was. And in a way that I could say, this is a three-dimensional person for me. It's a person who happens to be deeply in the ethnic closet, which is what, what the character he was. And he was desperate to reach the American dream and he had to suppress who he was as a person in terms of his ethnic identity. And then you rarely see that on media. You see it with sexual orientation, but you rarely see it on ethnic backgrounds specifically. And with African-American, uh, they use the term uh, passing, which <laughs> I, I heard a lot. And I like the fact that for the first time I see a person who happens to be Latino who basically is hiding his identity and how it's thrown to his face the first time he's basically um, the guy who, who uh, created Metamorpho, I don't remember his name. Um, oh, Stag. Son yeah. Stag. The first yep. thing, he, the, 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 the bomb he throws at him specifically is about his ethnic identity. And I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. And the concept is specifically that he had a kid who looked really Latino. And he really loved the kid. And he realized that his kid, unless he became successful, he was going to go to the same hell he did. And... I really liked specifically that aspect of the character, which uh, I guess allowed me to basically overlook certain things that I can understand problematic. And trust me, Shereen, you're right. And I agree with you in terms of the problems specifically with the movie. But I like that. I like that it was in the 80s. I like the environment of the 80s. I like how it was realized. Um, all the characters, all the performances were good. I liked them. Um, and I liked it so much that if you gave me a choice uh, between this or Superman by Zack Snyder, I would, in a heartbeat, watch Wonder Woman again and probably would enjoy way more than Man of Steel. So, so there's that. Uh, okay. So that's my take. Okay. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, and Roberto Ortiz. We are talking about Wonder Woman 1984, the film from Patty Jenkins that just opened on December 25th. We were just talking a little bit about how the filmmakers did with this movie. Shireen, how'd they do? (sighs) Let me start by saying that when the original Wonder Woman film came out, I had some problems with it. And everyone treated me like I was ranting on a street corner. I have seen those racial problems, some of the problems with, especially the racial problems, um, exacerbated in this movie because the filmmakers weren't called out on it. I am happy that in this time around, these things are being called out. 
but they've but they also have been blown up and many many more problems have been added okay the fundamental problem with this Wonder Woman 1984 movie and I will try to be very succinct is that it is decidedly unheroic deeply unheroic it is also very racist on a, a, a number of levels and it also has a very patriarchy leaning viewpoint as far as how it treats its women um, I have to defer to Roberto I am not Latinx I cannot speak to it I had the exact opposite reaction to this particular version of Maxwell Lord than Roberto did but this is his you know he is a part of that group and so I won't speak to that I can speak to the treatment of black women. I can speak to the messages sent to women at large. I can speak to the the treatment of of the image of Arabs, which which seems to be a particular hot point for Patty Jenkins because she is the only person who remains on the writing team and director team from one to two. Um, Starting with the opening, where, as Drew mentioned, it is a terrible message. If this was a movie about Indiana Jones or Batman or any other male hero, they would have been applauded. Instead, we get Antiope pulling um, Diana out of the race and telling her she cheated rather than you didn't complete the race and you lost, which was the natural projection of that. And that permeates the rest of the film. Okay? You, you've got... <laughs> You've got a cheetah. This is supposed to be our big Wonder Woman versus cheetah movie. Instead, we get T Steve Trevor and Maxwell Lord. The entire movie is about Maxwell Lord, is about Steve Trevor, um, and and how Wonder Woman just can't get over him. Her house is a monument to Steve Trevor. It's a museum. It's a Steve Trevor museum, right? But then you have these two women and the only thing that Cheetah wants, despite being brilliant, despite having all of these these doctorates, the only thing she wants is for men to gawk at her. Are you freaking kidding me? That is what she wishes for. It's for men to gawk at her like they gawk at Diana because that's true power, people. And then they show us what this means, culminating in her becoming a glorified bodyguard for Maxwell Lord. Okay? We've got bad 80 stereotypes that rather than being interrogated, you know, like this evil Arab stereotype, rather than being interrogated, it's just brought to the forefront like it's just fine. Okay, and then we have consent issues where Wonder Woman, one of the greatest heroes of all time, steals a body and has sex with it without consent. And then she and Steve Trevor put this guy through danger. They don't care about his life. They don't care about anyone that he may love. They don't care about his job. They put him at risk, and they don't care. And it is plain that they don't care. They don't even d address it. It's not even a part of their decision-making, okay? And, and, and this is just the very tip of the iceberg of these problems, but I don't want to take up the whole hour talking about how deeply problematic this movie is in its messaging, but it, it's layer after layer. You've got a black woman who is a head at the Smithsonian who can't remember who she hired and then disappears, y'all. Okay? Then disappears. And the final message is F your dreams. 
Yuli, you had a beautiful statement on what that final speech meant to you, and it was wonderful, and I wish that had been the speech in the movie, that you have to work for things, that nothing comes easy, that you have to complete it, right? But they said that all you have is truth, and the way they said it, it was like, your dreams don't mean anything. This movie is so deeply problematic, and the worst problem with it is we have grown up our entire lives believing that Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor were heroic. And then when we see them in this film and they're doing all of this rank stuff, we miss it because we believe them to be heroic. Okay? And I'm not even getting into the bad storytelling, wonky, terrible storytelling, and the silly putty um, CGI. Thanks y'all for coming out. God bless and good night. That's my time. So, suffice it to say, they didn't do too well. <laughs> well, all of you actually went into a lot greater depth than I had uh, than I had actually intended. But that's fine because you know that 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 takes us somewhere. But um, the the most telling thing that I can say, yes, yes. One of one of the other one of the other things about it is, and this this makes it worse in in my opinion, is these were all storytelling choices that the writers made. There was nothing inevitable about any of this. There was nothing that required yes. these choices had to be made. You know, like Steve Trevor did not need to commandeer a guy's body. No. You know? They could have been a museum, a museum exhibit to un, for to forgotten heroes. There could have been a Madame Tussauds statue that he became flesh, and here we go, off we go. Yeah. that would have that would have put him at the top of uh, of Diana's mind without imprisoning her to his love for sixty six years. I'm sorry, Drew. But I, I mean, I'm not sorry, but I just wanted to co-sign. No, I, I, I I'm with you, and I, I, there are other there are other ways to do it. And the whole thing with Cheetah did not have to be about her. N missing the male gaze to make herself feel complete. I mean, I, I felt in in the first time we see her that her problem is she that nobody's paying attention to her. Mm -hmm. Nobody sees her for who she is. That she is a smart, capable person. But it very quickly after that degenerated into, oh, I like guys paying attention to me. I like that kind of power. And it's like that. Okay, that that completely, you know. Um, cheapens the the entire setup that I thought they were going for. Well, Absolutely, and, and also, and also, why did her loss of humanity equate with Cheetah? Like she is Cheetah. Give me a reason. Set me up in the opening. She's in the Natural History Museum, and she's at the Big Cat exhibit, and she's staring at these big cats with longing because of their power and their prowess. And somebody comes over and says, "I'm sorry, Miss Minerva, you're in the wrong place. You're actually meant to be here." And then we know there's a through line. We go, "Oh, that's why she became a cheetah." But she loses her humanity. I'm expecting a monster, not a cheetah. Then they say it's because she wants to be an apex predator, y'all. When you dream of apex predators, do you go, ooh, cheetah? No, it's ridiculous. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, all right, look, uh, yeah, th that musical cue, though, means that we've reached the end of the first segment. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA in Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM. We are a community radio station, which, among other things, means that we rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters and our sponsors and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. 
Visit the website at WERA.FM or our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at arlingtonmedia.org to find out more about the Institution of Community Media, how you can get involved, how you can support this wonderful community treasure. But we're not close to being done. I haven't had a chance to talk, and I'm going to do that in the next segment. So don't go anywhere because... Shireen, Drew, and Roberto and I aren't done with you yet. So don't touch that dial. And uh, we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. And streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner, Shireen Nicole, and Roberto Ortiz. We are talking about the new movie from Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment, directed by Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman 1984, which just opened on Christmas Day. And uh, ooh, we've been we've been talking about it. So here's here's I well the first question that I asked everybody was. In comparison to some of these other films, the Chris Nolan Batman movies, uh, the uh, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Shazam, the first Wonder Woman, Aquaman, how did they do? Oh, that's another question. We can answer that. Yeah, that was actually what I asked. <laughs> but yeah. but no, but it's okay because it sounds like they didn't do too well in comparison to this. You guys said a bunch of stuff. And yeah. I, 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 I wanna I wanna comment on this because the first thing for me was I lo- I had to look up Wonder Woman from twenty seventeen. Come to find out the running time of Wonder Woman was only 10 minutes shorter than this movie. This movie but felt this movie, a lot longer to me. It was two hours and 800 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, like I said, it felt a lot longer. I mean, I, I, I was trying to watch it on Christmas Day, and there was a lot of, lot of pause while I had to go and cook and do other things. But, and it took me till the following day to watch all of it. But it still felt really, really long. Um, I appreciate something that Drew said about reality setting in. You feel one way when you first watch it, and then maybe you sleep on it, you think about it, and all of a sudden there are a bunch of other things you think about. That's happened to me with other superhero movies. It absolutely happened with this one. Uh, The patriarchy, uh, something that Shireen had mentioned, uh, regrettably, the patriarchy was alive and well in this, and all, all the more shocking that it had a female director because my expectation would have been that there was enough awareness on the part of Patty Jenkins to have circumvented some of these rather problematic issues, story choices, decisions, uh, unless they were intentional. And we'll come back to that. Um, I also appreciate something Shireen said in terms of Uh, the character of Diana, how her home had become a shrine to the memory of Steve Trevor. And something else that you had mentioned in one of our other conversations, Shireen, uh, is that uh, she had uh, eschewed uh, sisterhood, basically. I mean, it would have been a lot more believable had she 
you know, been working at a battered women's shelter or, you know, had some so friendships. Coach wrote that storyline. Exactly. Yeah. Because this was a woman raised in the arms of sisterhood. And yeah. she and this movie would have benefited from her recreating a sisterhood in DC. Yeah. I, she could have been a roller derby queen, done. which would have been amazing. Can you imagine Wonder Woman as a roller derby queen with a bunch of a bunch of sisters that she can call on when stuff goes down? Oh, DC, call me. I got you. I'll fix that would, it. That would have been a much better mm. beat. But the optics, the metrics of this movie were not good in so many different ways. I didn't. Ex- I mean, I didn't exactly have some of the same problems with the opening sequence that you all did. Um, I, I do think that, well, well, no, I, I do think that the filmmakers could have explained that scene better rather than have Antiope pull young Diana off the horse, making this cheating accusation. She could have let her finish the race. And, and she's then, disqualified. Exactly. Because she lost her bow. She, she wasn't lost. able to, yeah, she didn't follow the, the, what seemed to be, even though they didn't explain the rules where, but you use the bow at every turn and, you know, you're hitting the, the, uh, the, the signal and sending the streaming colors of smoke up and all that, which she didn't do, even That's though exactly it right. was very ingenious of her to have figured out how to get back on the horse. Setting aside for the moment, my biggest issue with that scene was, girl, why you keep looking over your shoulder? You didn't lead. Just ride. But uh, set that 12. aside. She yeah, was you know, 12. So, okay. Yeah. But let's yeah. talk about the fact that we still have Antiope in place of Philippus. They have completely erased a black woman character to replace her with a white woman character. And and before anybody says anything, I know that they were both created by George Perez. I think it was George Perez. And I understand, but they took Philippus's entire story and character and transplanted Antiope onto that. That's problematic because, as Drew mentioned, that was a choice. Yeah, and that was something else <laughs> yeah. that I had wanted to mention. Uh, but first the whole business of your dreams because a lot of people bought into that third act scene where you know she sort of got to be and i'm doing the air quotes thing you can't see it wonder woman at the end because you know she's using compassion and truth rather than her fists and yet it was really and it wasn't even so much that it was hokey as the message was bad i mean they could have i mean and the and the idea that Particularly in 1984, everybody is just going to renounce these dreams. I don't buy it. People are going to be like, "Screw yeah. you! I want what I want." You know, I mean, I especially in 1984. I'm getting mine. They <laughs> yeah. set up this. They set up that the magic lasso not only makes you tell the truth, but it shows you the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this moment where she wraps, supposedly wraps the lasso around. Lord's uh, ankle because she's beaten it in a corner and rather than and then we see this really just pasted on montage of his difficult life which yeah we they make you feel for him as a villain and that's cool except for where's your hero at and and I keep telling y'all the minute that you turn your villains into folk heroes you turn your heroes into Mm. villains that yeah. works. That is a flip flop that you do. So rather than she Wonder Woman being empowered by making Maxwell Lord see the truth and share that truth with the populace so that they understand it, she gives this silly speech. 
I, I think it's silly. Well, they had so much success using that technique in Joker. You know, it's like, why not try and stick that over top of Wonder Woman? Yeah. You know? yeah. But and that that's just, why people are hmm. hating on Batman now, because you have repeatedly devalued that character. And now you've got a Joker who's a folk hero. And now here we are with Diana doing the same thing. Well, and that leads me to the last point that I was going to make, which was actually one that Drew made uh, about the inconsistency of the story choices in Woo! this film. Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't review the movie, but if I had, uh, I'd have been hard pressed to I'd have probably given it two and a half out of four stars. Uh, it's really a two star movie. But because the production values, I'd have probably given it that extra half a star. And I liked it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked it. I, it's just there were so many different issues with it and my expectations were so much higher uh, given the, what the first film did even though Shireen I recognize you and I have vastly different feelings about that first film and you have consistently supported everything that you've said in terms of you know your feelings about that and and I absolutely respect it yeah, so now here, here's the next thing though I that I want to ask before we pivot can I say one thing oh yes Julie? Yeah, I want to I want to apologize because in my initial review of Wonder Woman, I focused just on the 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 kind of patriarchal gaze that the movie had. I didn't focus on all of the problems, and and it was my fault for backing down. And I'm very sorry I backed down, but I've done subsequently two shows where I talk openly about the problems. That's all I wanted to say. Well, I figured that you were saving it for, for Geek Girl Riot, honestly. Uh, you know, you don't want to give away everything in the review, you know, when you're also doing other media about it. And, you know, I, I have to assume also that a number of your listeners for GGR are also readers of any work that you have on Adobe. So you want to you don't want to give it all to them, <laughs> leave them wanting a little. So I I had thought that was a deliberate choice. I didn't realize that you uh, that that wasn't so, you know, I, and. But hey, no, no apology necessary as far as I'm concerned. But here, here's what I want to know, and and we can start with you for this because, uh, and I, I had referenced this on last week's show, even though we weren't really talking extensively about Wonder Woman, because the feedback that I have seen, uh, not just from professional reviewers, but particularly from fans of this film, uh, has been all over the place. I mean, more so than one might usually expect from a big budget tentpole movie, from a movie with this particular character. Um, and and I'm I'm curious about what you all think because uh, there been there's been a lot of harsh criticism. Um, there have been yeah. accusations of unconscious bias yeah. in terms of people's reactions. Uh, there have been you know, harsh criticism about these perceived feminist elements in the film, lack yeah. of representation. I mean, I, I'm and I'm just wondering, um, you know, because and this is the other thing It's kind of my bottom line. There's some people who persist in presenting the argument that, hey, why do you have to be so critical of these movies? Can't you just sit back and enjoy it and <laughs> like the fact that we've got it? And so, you no. Know. <laughs> no, we cannot. It, it simplifies things too much. Part of the problem specifically is that I feel that because of the times we're living in, things, people are hypersensitive specifically 
holding the left and the right. And a character like Wonder Woman is bound to be controversial. Since the 70s, Wonder Woman has been controversial. When Julius, uh, Julius uh, Schwartz. Schwartz, thank you. I came to her defense back in the 70s. Um, and the, it's really, really, really hard to discuss a character like Wonder Woman because people will have in their heads specifically how was a proper interpretation of what Wonder Woman is supposed to be. And I'm not saying Shereen is wrong. I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm right. Because I'm a guy, to be honest. Uh, but it's in the times we're living in right now, we are taking popular media and we're taking it to level 11, specifically on how it's perceived. And having like a normal conversation like what we're having now about the popular media is becoming more and more difficult because people going to those extremes. Um, like for example, in The Mandalorian, when they show a specific certain character at the end, some people saying, see, this basically shows that this woman who's running the studio is bringing anything down. It's like, what the hell are you talking about to Shell. And they make that specifically about the gender about the woman who's running the studio. Or in the cases of uh, Wonder Woman specifically, that yes, it has problems, but we go into extremes. And I don't know, it feels, I liked it. I'm sorry, Shereen, I really did. And I, you don't I have to be sorry objection. for liking it. I, I, I understand your objections. And, and guys, I really had no problem with the message of the movie, specifically in terms of the, the losing at the beginning of the movie. That's for me the least problematic thing in the movie. The Steve Trevor thing is super problematic to me. I'll agree. Cool, yeah. And I agree with Shereen that they should have done the thing with an inanimate object like they did in Knights of the Museum. That's the proper approach. It well, was I... very disappointing that neither Wonder Woman or Steve Trevor, that this, the, yeah. the life that had been stolen was not a factor yeah, in anything they that, discussed. That, it was that... more... Oh, you know, I, yeah, yeah. That was, that was disappointing given what she was supposed to be. I have a, it's that the message specifically that has been happening a lot in DC Comics. And this is a problem right now, specifically Warner Brothers, is what I call the dehumanization of the other. By that I mean that in Man of Steel, you have Superman and, and, and saw it fighting in Metropolis, and they killed thousands in the fight. Mm -hmm. And we're supposed to basically trade like a hero. Right. And we don't take into consideration that, you know, the hero just killed thousands. We should. As a Wonder Woman, there's nobody dies. I'll give that to the movie, which is really good. But there's a dehumanization specifically about the person that Steve Trevor was stealing his life from. And I agree, the movie would have been better if that had been an acknowledgement of that. That's okay, wait. Well, you you I'll, said, I'll, you, said I'll, that I'll, you described that as the... Wait, wait, hold just a second, Drew. Uh, Roberto, you described that as the dehumanization of the other? Yeah. They okay, I'm sorry. I, they, I thought you said humanization. I was, I was they, having a trouble with that. I, I'm sorry, Drew. No, no. Yeah, Drew, that, what were you so saying? I was, I was going to say, I was going to jump in on that point and say that the fact is, you know, Man of Steel happens in one city. And yes, thousands of people die. It's, it's really clear. Buildings are falling over. People are dying in the streets. You know, this is going on. 
Wonder Woman is around the world all at the same time. It's like potentially millions of people are dying because of this. No, I know, but but specifically so, the problem I have with that is is that I was not taking up into point because Diana specifically in that respect is not responsible for that. In the case of Man of Steel, oh boy, Clark was responsible for what's happening yeah. because he had taken the fight somewhere else. In the yeah. case, I, they're just two sides of the same problem. Here's yes. A, yes. Here, here's the thing for me, Roberto. You don't have to be sorry for liking it. It's fine to like it. My problem, and it's not with you. It's my problem in general, is that we don't face the fact that just because we like something doesn't make it okay. Of it's course. it's it's cool to like. Wait, wait, wait. It's cool to like problematic things, but we have to interrogate the problems with them so that we get better, right? So to go back to Ulysses, your question, the re I have a very different take from Roberto's. I think that it, at this moment in time, with everything that's going on in this world and in this country, we needed to like Wonder Woman. We needed it to be a good movie and we needed her to be what she's always been for us. So I feel like a lot of us are willing to let go of those issues because we need her. We we need that symbolism, okay? Um, I also think that a lot of people have been fed this kind of storytelling for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. When you've been fed this over and over and over again, it doesn't seem wrong. Until, like Drew said earlier, afterwards you stop and go, okay, now let me think about this. Right. So these are the things that I think are happening here. And I and, and I think that one of the, the, the most egregious things that I keep hearing is it's just a movie. You guys, if movies were just movies, propaganda films never would have been made. Birth of a Nation would not have had the dire and horrific impact on the American view of black people that it did. Art is never just art. Art is culture before it becomes culture. We so we have to be very much aware of what we are feeding our children. We look at John Hughes films and we see how a guy doesn't feel like dragging a woman behind a dumpster and raping her while she's unconscious is a problem. That comes from the way that society tells us that was okay. That's masculine. Women want that. That's what society keeps telling us, and that's why we see those behaviors. But those, a lot of those behaviors start in films, and it starts in TV shows, and we can go back and trace these things. You know, the main thing that has kept racism alive around the world in countries where they haven't even seen the other is American entertainment. We keep feeding the world our racism and our misogyny. And I think that it is high time that no matter how much we like these films, we also on the flip side say, you know what, but there's some problems here. I'm going to talk about the problems. And at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you, I still liked it. You know, I loved this, this new television series, Bridgerton. It is amazing, but it has consent issues. And, and when somebody was like, yo, did you catch that? I was like, you know what I did? Let's talk about it. So that's my take on it. But as far as but 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 as far as getting to the core of your question, Yuling, we are used to these kinds of stories, so they've become they've become like well, that's what storytelling is, and also we needed it. We needed to just be happy in this moment. We needed stuff that we could just like. We needed the biff bam boom of it all. You're listening to Fantastic Forum 
on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia, and streaming online via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Roberto Ortiz and Drew Bittner and Shireen Nicole. And uh, we are talking about culture and politics and uh, life and, you know, all these things that spring from the art and Wonder Woman 1984. So I I hear what you're saying, Shireen, and I, I agree. You have to be able to acknowledge the issues with the art. It's one of the things that I have... Uh, preached consistently, you know, because there's so much questionable kinds of stuff that I enjoy. And uh, what I've seen of people is there'll be something that they consume, uh, some form of media, television, movies, uh, comics, manga, uh, whatever. And they, they say, ooh, I liked this. It was good. Now, that's not what that means. <laughs> you have to be able to separate. I like because there's a plenty of stuff that I like that totally sucks, and mm-hmm, I'm objective enough too. to know to, that this stuff sucks. And so you have to acknowledge whatever issues exist with the media that you consume. And I think one of the issues, and I think this is part of what you're saying, uh, Drew and and Roberto actually too, is that we're as culturally we are not mature enough to recognize and to be objective about the media that we consume. And that's a huge problem. That's how you end up exporting negativity to the rest of the world. But we're we're certainly not critical. We're certainly not critical about it. Um, One thing that I would say, and this is something that I hadn't really come at until really thinking critically about this movie, is that Wonder Woman herself is a difficult character. Um, Superman is... You know, strange visitor from another planet, vast powers, just here to help. Batman is a character whose fixation is fighting crime and making sure nobody else suffers what he suffered. Wonder Woman does not have that sort of intrinsic simplicity to her. She's many different things. She's an ambassador to man's world. She's a demigoddess of truth. She is at times an exile from Paradise Island. She's all these different things. And I think that makes it very challenging to come up with a villain or a theme that really is an absolute antithesis that strikes at her core. And I think they tried to do, to do that by way of Steve Trevor in this movie. And ultimately, as, as we've been discussing, I think that diminishes her tremendously as a character. It takes a lot of her power away rather than providing an, an actual motive and saying here's here's this antithesis antithesis of who she is and what she represents and what she stands for and you know and the whole thing about like you know the oh the power came from the god of lies like we don't see that we don't see anything that's a lie in what maxwell lord really does nothing is a mm-hmm. lie because he's able to do it he gives them what they ask for, and he takes a price for it, but there's no lie inherent in any of that. So so I guess what I'm coming back to is Wonder Woman is not an easy character. She's not that very simple, you know, character where this is her absolute contrast. Cheetah was not her absolute contrast, and Maxwell Lord wasn't really either. And, I, and frankly, 
in in Wonder Woman's history, I don't think we've seen her Joker. I don't think we've seen her Lex Luthor. I don't think we've seen that yet. Mm-hmm. And that, that may be one of the problems. <laughs> you know? That's hey, a very so, good good that's point. That's a very good point. Yeah. 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 Hey, so um, we're almost out of time. But one of the things that I wanted to absolutely make sure that we mention is the cameo in this movie of Linda Carter, uh, the first cool. Wonder Woman. Yeah, I, and it's part of the reason that I liked it. In fact, but I was having all kinds of problems with this movie. I mean, I you know not to get too far into the weeds, but even little stuff like, all right, so they go to the Udvar Hazi Center and she's able to find a plane that's got all this fuel in it, and then this guy from World War One can fly the, yeah, exactly, and then he flies them through a bunch of fireworks, <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait, and she's making the plane invisible, and, yes. That but is I, the crux problem with the film. Wonder Woman doesn't even fly her own invisible jet. That, you that's know, the crux. You know, okay, so, but, wait, wait, yeah, but, uh, like I said, I, I, I had all these issues with it until the third act, which yeah. as, as when they yeah, but, some Linda Carter secret sauce on it and they tried to make <laughs> you forget that two hours, two hours, 800 minutes of nonsense that you just watched because Linda Carter, much like Chris Pine, much like Pedro Pascal, is secret sauce. They make stuff better. You know, and uh, it's funny because when you said they make you forget, all of a sudden I'm sitting there and it's like, Wow, that was a really great movie, you know, because they sprinkled that really Linda Carter cool. secret sauce on it there at the y'all, end. Did y'all know it was Linda Carter when they showed Asteria's eyes? Because I knew it was her. Even though the eyes were green, I knew it was Linda Carter. Did y'all know? I didn't know. Did you know, Drew? I did, yep. Okay. Roberto? <laughs> oh, sorry. I really like the idea of the character a lot. Wait, but did you but did you know that it was Linda Carter when you first oh. saw the eye? Okay, Ooh. Right. Ooh. no, that surprised me. Yeah, so. well, that that was going to be a little too much for me too. You know, I mean, and uh, yeah, but uh, I I was hoping that they would find some way to get her into this, and uh, and that was just it was just a really nice surprise, and I loved the fact that you had that reveal that the Amazon's greatest warrior who had defended their retreat from man's world, sacrificing herself in the process, turns out to be Linda Carter. I mean, that that was better than anything I could have hoped for in terms of a way to integrate that character into these films. And then on top of everything, she actually gets a moment of heroism saving somebody there at the end, too. It was like, oh, man, this is so cool, you know? Well, I like the idea specifically that... Diane, if they basically decide to use the character in the next movie, that Diana basically can talk to Asteria yeah, about what yeah. it means to be a, a sisterhood, specifically between two of them, and share notes. So well, I, I, I hope you're right. I hope they do that. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're out of time. <laughs> it's only an hour-long show. But I want to thank my panelists and you, too, for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. Check your local listings. And you can always visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We have complete episodes of the show. We also have the segments broken out, the discussions, the toy and game profiles, the interviews, the special features. All of that is there for you on the website. Also, the show re-airs each and every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4, right here on WERA, if you miss any portion of it, on Saturday. And it's available as a podcast on all platforms, where you can listen to such media 
courtesy of our friends at the Great Geek Refuge. So make sure to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend, everybody.